Well, good morning, church. It's great to see you this morning. Uh, what a blessing it is to be here in God's house on God's day. And uh, we just pray uh, that God's Holy Spirit would just uh, meet you where you are. Uh, some of you have come in with, uh, with spirits of joy and just uh, celebrating the blessings that, that are in your life right now. Some of you uh, might find yourself in a midst of hardship, a struggle, maybe for yourself, or, or maybe there's a family member or a friend who's on your heart, and, and we just pray that, uh, that God would speak uh, over that person, that uh, through the name of Jesus, you might find that healing, that restoration uh, that can only come from Him. Uh, whatever relationship uh, has been broken, whatever loss, whatever tragedy uh, that you face, may that uh, name of Jesus uh, empower you and strengthen you today. Uh, we just, uh, we always begin, uh, or most often begin our messages just with uh, this simple word of a prayer of blessing. Uh, we say, brothers and sisters in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And some of you are, are needing that grace today. We're going to be celebrating that with, within our Lord's Supper. Uh, and then once again, some of you are looking for that peace. And we pray uh, that you would find that here. But we also pray uh, that you would be fed and filled by God's word. We pray that it would challenge you uh, and speak into your life and just speak in ways that uh, would truly uh, move us to a different way of thinking, a different way of acting, different way of speaking as we uh, rediscover uh, the gospel of Luke. Uh, we have before us today a passage of the Bible known as the prodigal, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, it's a story that uh, it's become so familiar that, that many of us could probably just simply recite it uh, from heart. We know the characters that are portrayed here. We know what's, what's going on. And so our tendency might to just kind of simply just kind of skim over it and gloss over it. Uh, we, we know in, in our, heart, our minds, and we've heard this before, how the road itself was a treacherous road and, and how thieves and bandits would offer and leverage this, this line uh, as a place to, to, to take advantage of travelers. It was often called the, the red or bloody way. Uh, it uplifts how only one of three travelers stopped to help. And it wasn't the ones that we would hope or expect. I mean, it wasn't the priest or the Levite uh, who were heading to the temple who should be, be living into that way of service and care. But it was the, the, the outsider. It was someone that would have been considered the villain of the story. Uh, Samaritan, who was an outcast and an outsider, they were considered to be unclean and, and nobody wanted to have anything to do with them. And they become the hero of the story. But even the question, and who is my neighbor, that prompts Jesus to share this parable uh, can really teach us a valuable lesson. But, but today, rather than spending time looking at the parable itself, I want to focus really on the events that are leading up to the parable, uh, as oftentimes those things get a little bit more neglected than the parable itself. And, and right off the bat, we, we read how a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. It wasn't to learn, it wasn't to grow, it wasn't to seek a greater understanding and how, how he could live out the faith, but it was to prove Jesus wrong and to prove himself right. I mean, people were calling this Jesus rabbi, teacher, and he wanted to make sure that Jesus knew his stuff and who better than to put him to a test than a lawyer himself. And I think there are times when we can approach faith with a similar mentality, not, not what I can glean, but, but more so, well, to show someone how much I know. 
In fact, I would imagine that where many of us heard that reading for today, we kind of rolled our eyes a little bit and thought to ourselves, well, well, here we go again. I've heard this story countless times, and, and the preacher's going to say the same stuff. I might as well get up there and preach this thing. It'd be a lot shorter than Pastor John doing it. But, but so instead of listening, what we do is we close our ears as well as our hearts to what's being shared today with that mentality, been there, done that, let's move on. And perhaps that's what we needed to hear and to be reminded of today. To approach faith rather than been there, done that, already know it, to come with a teachable heart and a teachable spirit. And maybe that's what we need to be reminded of today, that whenever we spend time reading, hearing, studying God's word, there is always something to glean. You see, the wonderful thing about reading and studying and hearing God's Word is that we can hear the same text over and over. We can even listen to the same message over and over, and it continues to speak to us in a different way, depending on what's going on in our own hearts, our own lives, or, or the lives of somebody else. We might actually think about that in terms of, of what they may be experiencing. The 23rd Psalm, for example, never gets stale or stagnant or rote because the Bible is the living, breathing word of God and it has life for those who have a teachable spirit. And maybe some of us have lost that teachable spirit. Maybe some of us are kind of going through the motions, but what is God saying to you today? What are you hearing the spirit share with you as you participate in worship today? See, as a preacher, I, whenever I listen to a message, I always, always come to it with an open heart and, and ask the questions, okay, Lord, what are you wanting me to go away with today? What are you trying to teach me? Whether it's a, a preacher who has been polished and, and experienced, or whether it's a preacher who is just struggling through and butchering up stuff, and instead of people shouting, amen, preach it, they're saying, Lord, help him, Lord, help him. And, and so what's our posture today? Are we sitting, listening, taking things in? Or, or are we simply holding this off at a distance? And I pray that God would soften each of our hearts today, that, that our ears may be open, as well as our minds, as well as our hearts, to hear what he has to say to us about how we live out that faith. And here's the deal. It's not just in terms of worship. But I remember one time someone came to my office with a question. They were doing a study, and, uh, and they had a question that was on their heart. Instead of engaging in a conversation, they just kept sharing all the stuff that they had learned through that study. And I'm just sitting there taking all in, kind of like a deer in the headlights, and it felt like they were just kind of sharing a Bible commentary with me and the little footnotes that are on the uh, end of that passage of Scripture. And there was no conversation. There was no listening. It was just, just speaking. They didn't pause long enough to listen and to learn from each other. And I think that's the reality of our walk of faith. It's not just about what, what we're gleaning. It's about what we're also offering to others and vice versa. There's always something to learn from someone, no matter the age or the stage in life. And I have been blessed by those older than me, but I got to tell you, I've been blessed by those younger than me. And it's amazing what, what type of faith comes out of the itty bitties and their testimony about who Jesus is and his work in their lives and his presence in the world. And all we have to do is listen and not just simply assume that we know more, but what is Jesus speaking to us? Or, or how many of us just simply 
plow through a Bible study as if to check it off a list. Okay, been there, done that, instead of taking the time to allow it to speak to us. I know life is busy. I know life is about things going from this thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and I just got to squeeze that in. But perhaps just by taking a little bit more time, by pausing in that study, asking, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to challenge me with today? It'll be amazing, that word that will bless us. You know, and perhaps if we're honest with ourselves, maybe we're a lot like this, this lawyer in our text for today who stood up to test Jesus. Maybe in terms of a direction, circumstances, maybe in terms of, of a certain way of thinking or, or pattern of living. And perhaps there's a part of us that have already made up our minds and, and we're thinking what direction we should go. And really, we don't want to hear the answer. We don't want to be challenged. We don't want to be offered a different perspective because let's face it, we're right. And we like the direction that we're going. And so we just stand up and we test without listening to what's being shared. So where have we fostered an unteachable spirit by closing off our hearts and our minds to what Jesus is saying? You see, rather than approaching with a clear, critical ear, what would it mean for us to simply ask, what can I learn? What can I glean? What can I take with me? from worship today. Whether it's a, a lyric to a song, whether it's a portion of scripture, whether it's something that, that the pastor says or something that you hear in the prayer, what is it that you can take with you that is gonna bless your spirit this week? Picking up at verse 25. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, Lord, what must I check off the list? What must I do? And I think that's, that's where we can get stuck at times in terms of our daily walk of faith. We, we think to ourselves, okay, Lord, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But, but here's the question. Are we truly willing to step out in faith? Are we still willing to, to hear what God has said and actually put that in the practice, which points to the disconnect that Jesus highlights in this conversation with the lawyer, but also within the context of the parable, which we're going to get to in a moment. It's one thing to have knowledge. It's another thing to put that knowledge into practice. It's one thing to have knowledge. It's another thing to put that knowledge into practice. But before we get there, I, I first want you to know this, what Jesus begins to do here. Rather than answering the lawyer's question, he simply invites him to discover. He invites him into that process of getting the answer and gleaning the answer for himself. He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read here? What do you read there? And I truly feel that, that we, not only as a church, but, but as individuals will benefit from this type of interaction. Because our tendency when somebody actually comes up to us and asks a question is just simply fire off an answer. Get it done, get it checked off the list, get it out the way. But, but the more blessing is, is to walk with that person. Rather than receiving, rather than simply offering something, just receive it. And, and ask for some clarification, some clarifying questions. But, but to, rather than sharing your views, what would it mean to support them in their own discovery? What would it mean to support them in their own discernment and their journey of finding that answer to that question? And after they journey and walk through that, then tell them they're wrong. Okay, I'm just seeing if you're with me this morning, right? right? How often, rather than receiving what's shared, people tend to go on the offensive? But when they, they come to that conclusion from their own hearts, 
they're, they're often more welcoming to receive that feedback. When they peel back the layers and discover it themselves and come to their own conclusion, their heart is more ready than available to receive that answer. So rather than simply just jumping in, offering that answer, walk with somebody. Allow them to discover, to, to wrestle with that question themselves. Uh, it, it, we see Jesus using this model through, uh, throughout Scripture. So, so back to Jesus' response, verse 26. He, he had just asked him, what's written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And it's not simply just something that the lawyer would have memorized. Certainly, he could have memorized that. But the law itself was literally carried around with them. It was written on little pieces of paper, put in boxes, and then tied around them so that they would have the law with them wherever they go. We read about the practice in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 8. It says, bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead. But how often, much like this lawyer, can we just simply regurgitate the right answer? And please hear me, it's not a bad thing. It is good and is a blessed gift to be able to, to memorize Scripture, to have that knowledge that you can recall at any time. It's a gift that you're able to, to not only sing the songs here in worship, but, but to sing them throughout your day and have those speak to you in your life. But I find myself singing them throughout the day. But the reality is, in fact, that, that it's important to, to recall those things. I remember, I remember memorizing the, the small catechism, Luther's small catechism. I did it as part of my confirmation class. I also did it as I had to get out of seminary as well. It was one of those things to check off the list. But that knowledge, that memory, that memorization has proven to be invaluable in my own personal reflection of faith. When I'm praying the Lord's Prayer, that, that small catechism comes back. As I'm confessing my faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed, that confession comes back. When reflecting on the Ten Commandments, that in the meaning, and not just on the surface level, but the depth of meaning, that knowledge is good to have. And I allow that knowledge to speak into and flow through my life. It's something that we practice and something that we digest. You see, church, food doesn't do you any good if you chew it, but you don't swallow it. Knowledge without practice is empty. Knowledge without practice is empty. You see, we can know all this stuff about God. We can read all the books, be a part of Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. But if we don't put it into practice, it's, it's empty. It stays stagnant. Our faith is meant to be lived out. In fact, look at what Jesus says next, verse 28. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will, what's my word? Live. It's not just about the knowledge. He said, do this and you will live. See, Jesus is calling us to something new. He's calling us to, to experience a newness of life. And maybe there's a part of us that knows the right answer, but there's a disconnect between that knowledge and what we put into practice. James chapter 4 verse 17 puts it this way. Anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. And maybe that's where we are right now. There's a whole lot of knowledge that's tucked up in here. There's a whole lot of stuff that we know that we should be doing, but when it comes to putting it into practice, there's a disconnect. And we fall short. But have we ever called that sin? Have we ever named it and claimed it as brokenness and sin in our lives? That the knowledge that we have in here stays up here and that we don't 
live it out. In fact, after giving his disciples an example of service by washing in their feet, Jesus shares this in John chapter 13, verse 15. He says, For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their masters, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are, say it with me, blessed if you do them. If you know these things, knowledge, you are blessed if you do them. You see, Jesus' words teach us two things. As, as we saw in our text for today, knowledge turned into action equals life. And as we saw in this passage right now, knowledge turned into action equals blessing. So life and knowledge, while James, on the other hand, teaches us the reality of what that spiritual connect can do, not only to ourselves, but to others. But rather than receiving the answer, right, and allowing that answer of having a, a life that is lived and blessed, the, the look at, and allow it to speak in God is like the lawyer continues. He says, but, but wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Can't you just envision the lawyer kind of getting a little puffed up a little bit? Can't you just envision him thinking to himself, oh man, I, I, got, I got some good stuff going on in my life and how I'm caring for people. This is going to be great. He's ready to, to get patted on the back. He's ready for that word of affirmation. He's, he's, he's going to get it, right? He's going to get the thumbs up. Great job. Because according to the law, the lawyer was under no obligation to care for those outside of his own people. The, the word neighbor was confined, right, to, to his Jewish brothers and sisters. That, that's where that word neighbor would be fulfilled, and that's who he would focus on. So in essence, as long as he cared for his own people, he'd be fulfilling the law, right? Loophole, loophole. As long as they do this, I'm good. But what about all the other stuff? Yet once again, did you notice the placement of his heart? He says, but wanting to justify himself. It wasn't to seek greater understanding. It was to just uplift and puff up himself. And isn't that what we do at times? We, we list off those places where we are spiritually invested. We list off the number of times that we've been in worship each week. We, we lift off the number of Bible studies that we're a part of. We, we list off those things where we're serving and giving of our time. But it's here that we see a shift as Jesus identifies a spiritual loophole and offers us a bigger picture. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to tip our toe into the parable of the loopholes just a little bit. You may know it as the parable of the Good Samaritan. I call it the parable of the loopholes. And once again, notice Jesus doesn't answer the man's question directly, but offers him a story so that he can have that journey himself. But it's here that we see two travelers, a priest and a Levite, two religious figures, who pass by the injured man on the other side of the road. And who can blame them, right? First of all, the injured man was kind of foolish to have traveled alone, right? It's his fault that he got in this position into this mess anyway. He has nobody to blame but himself. And why would they go out of their way to put themselves into harm's way to help? If only he had been part of a caravan, he would have been safe. Speaking of which, we better get on our way or we might have the same fate befall us. Besides, this could be a decoy. Thieves and robbers were tricky that way. In the words of Admiral Akbar, say it with me. Here we go, church. It's a trap, right? It's a trap. 
You see, if they went to go help that man, others might be waiting in ambush, better be safe than sorry. So they walked on the other side of the road. And whenever I heard this text while I was growing up, I said, but that's where the thieves and bandits were. They weren't over there. That's the obvious. They were over there. But that's how my mind works. But here's the deal. If the man was dead already, according to the law, if they touched a dead person, they would be ceremonially unclean for seven days. And why was that a big issue? Well, for a priest and Levite serving in the temple, that would mean that they couldn't carry out their priestly duties. And so they thought to themselves, rather than refuse to take that risk since they couldn't be sure, out of fear that the man was dead, they passed on by the other side. See, the story is filled with loopholes. And those loopholes aren't just for this story, but those same loopholes are ones that we come across each and every day. As we see those on the side of the road that might need help. As we step into places and spaces where, where there are people in need. What are those loopholes, church? But as we know, the Samaritans stopped. But they not only stopped, they provided for this man's needs and they didn't even know the cost. They didn't even weigh the cost. They went above and beyond what was expected. And after sharing this well-known parable, Jesus goes back to the initial question and asks, which one of these, watch this, do you think, once again, there's this invitation for the man to discover himself was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. He said, the one who showed him mercy, Jesus said to him, what? Go and do likewise. So it's not just the knowledge, there's action. Go and do likewise. Don't simply keep that knowledge up here, but put it to action. Don't allow the loopholes of life to get in the way of what God is calling and inviting you to be into right now. Which begs the question, where have we been living into the loopholes in our own lives? Where have we kind of been, been justifying our own or sidestepping uh, something, uh, that invitation that God has placed on our hearts and, and, and gone after something else and justified it by, by looking at a loophole? Maybe we think to minds, well, well, my schedule is too busy. Maybe, maybe I, I'm too stressed. I'm, you know, I, while I'm trying to hold my own life together, I'm hold, trying, to, trying to keep things together, making ends meet financially. I, I can't possibly do, do something like that. That's, that's a loophole. Or how about this one? Sunday's my only day to sleep in. Besides, I could worship God in nature. Loophole. Or, you know, someone actually gave me a sign, and they are faithful worship attenders. The sign says this. It's better to be fishing and thinking about God than in church thinking about fishing. Loophole, right? Maybe we think, well, I've done my part. You know, I paid my dues. I taught Sunday school. Now that my kids are out of the house, they're at college, man, I can kick my feet back. That's a prime opportunity to re-engage. You think God will just understand. Church, that's a loophole. I know I'm supposed to pray. I know I'm supposed to tithe, but, but that upset this past week destroyed my bracket, so I gotta postpone my gift. Church, that's a loophole, okay? I know I'm supposed to make worship a priority to care for the needs of others, but, and those things get filled in time and time again, and what do we get? We get another loophole, and another loophole, and another loophole, and another loophole. And the question I find myself asking is, what loophole have I been leveraging in terms of my relationship with God? 
What loophole have I been leveraging in terms of, of my relationship with my friends or with my family? What excuses have I said to myself to make myself feel better? What promises have I made but then intentionally went to find a loophole so I didn't have to carry those things out? And while it may make us feel better, we know the pain and the residual effect of loophole-type living, not only for ourselves, but also for others. And maybe you've experienced the pain of somebody living into a loophole and you felt that you have been left high and dry and with nowhere to go. Loopholes of life. So Rachel and I, uh, Rachel and I were uh, putting some, some sweat equity uh, into our home. And, uh, and I was given the job, the task of securing the guide rope. Uh, to the rafter, so the person on, uh, that was using the forklift and the person that were on top of the, the roof, they wouldn't put me on top of the roof for some reason. Uh, but anyway, I, I could stay on the ground and I would tie the guide rope to, to the rafter and then that would be the rope that they could pull and to uh, bring the, the rafter and maneuver it into place. Uh, before, before I knew any better, this was the type of knot that I, that I knotted, you know, just kind of going back and forth and back and forth. And, and it would take so much time for the person up on the roof to like get this undone. And for those scouts and Navy folks out there right now, this is driving you absolutely nuts, right? But, but as I was up on that roof, they, they, they taught me what's known as a high wayman's hitch knot. Uh, and it's a, basically a knot that, that's secure uh, if you pull on the longer end of the rope, right? It's, it's secure. So this is the rope that the guy would use to, to guide and maneuver the, the rafter. But, but by pulling on this side, the shorter side, what happens? Right? Pretty cool. True? You see, that's kind of what we do when it comes to the loopholes of life. We make these promises and, and we say that we're going to do this and this and this and this. And all of a sudden we, we find a loophole and, and we're not living into what, what we are called to do. And sadly, that's the same thing with the promises. Whether we make them to ourselves, whether we make them to others, whether we make them to God. Church, the problem with loopholes is that they don't glorify or honor God. And I want to say that again. The problem with loopholes is they don't glorify or honor God or any of our relationships. So the challenge this week, I want you to do your homeworks up on your screen. I want you to prepare your hearts. First and foremost, there's some texts up there, one from Numbers, another from Matthew, another one from James that talks about the importance of keeping our word that when we do make a promise, it's not something that we can quickly undo and say, oh, now I feel better about that. But reflect on those and, and think about this question. What challenge do I hear in these texts? Then the next one is to read Numbers 23, uh, 19, and then Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, and reflect how does God's faithfulness enable me me to be faithful to living out my faith in daily life? How does, how does God's faithfulness allow me to be faithful? That's number two. And then the applying factor of this, commit to five less loopholes this week. Five less instances where we try to justify or we try to explain something away with a myriad of excuses. You see, church, we have a God of promises, not of loopholes. We have a God of faithfulness, not of loopholes. We have a God who we can count on that doesn't go out and, and pull the rug out from underneath us. Church, we have a God of promises who seeks to pour into us, and may we pour into those around us as we live out our faith to bless the lives of others and to truly live. These things we pray in his name.
Amen. Ushers.